0: Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin.
1: Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you?
0: Hello, Eric. We're into the fall now, and... Cats are sleeping with dogs. I mean, you look around the sports world, you got the San Francisco Giants ready to clinch the, or have clinched by the time people listen to this, uh, the National League West. They were predicted to win like 74 games, and they, they got 100 plus. Um, I, I happened to see last night when I was just looking up scores of other sports, the NHL preseason has started. So that should make you happy, I'm sure, with your uh, beloved Islanders uh, hoping to capture the cup. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are in last place in their division. Who, who to thunk? Um, thanks to Justin Tucker's record record-setting 66-yard field goal, it saved the ass of a lot of survivor players, I'm sure. <laughs> beating the lowly Detroit Lions. And last but not least, on Saturday, there's a small race called the Woodward that's being run for the first time in October. So what the hell's with that? You're the New York racing guy. Why was the Woodward moved to the first Saturday in October? I have no No answer.
1: I think they are right.
0: I I get this big big opening to throw you, and and I stumped you. Oh well, that's where,
1: I that's guess I should have go. brought
0: that up in the pre production
1: exactly. meeting. Exactly <laughs> pre production, should have said, hey, I'm going to ask you about the Woodward, and then I can Google why was Woodward moved. I have no idea. I think they were running it. I think they had moved it to uh Saratoga, didn't they? Or am I thinking of a different race? No, so I, thought, I always thought it
0: was Saratoga. Yeah. yeah, I think they
1: moved it to closing weekend because at Saratoga. I could be thinking of a different race, but I, maybe it was the Jockey Club. But No, I thought the, it was the Woodward. No, the
0: Woodward. Wood was always at Saratoga?
1: Okay, so they moved it. Uh, I'm pretty sure to closing weekend, or which was always Labor Day weekend. I think because after the Travers, late August, it kind of. You know, horses were leaving and it was kind of not much going on there. Smaller uh, field. So they wanted something to look forward to. And um I'm pretty sure that's why they moved in there. Why they since moved it, I, I haven't been paying attention. I really don't know. Sorry. So I, I guess they figured the
0: timing would be nice for, you know, horses that potentially would well, run in the Breeders' Cup Classic.
1: And, and I think they were getting like five horses a race. So they moved it so they can get six now. So that really helped.
0: <laughs> yes. Which, which, uh, kind of touches on my question of the week but if you have anything else to since i just blabbered about everything under the sun in the opening
1: you can uh you can go to the we can add stuff uh if we want to but you can uh start our quill question of the week segment the QQOTW. Segment.
0: okay all right so my question is Why is it that it seems like the majority of horse players get all jazzed and excited about handicapping, you know, the best races, the grade ones, the graded stakes races, the the premier races versus any other race of any level? That's my question. I, you know, I'm just going to stop there, and then after you give your opinion, you know, there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, I'll I'll throw in my
1: two cents. All right. Well, I won't steal one of your answers because you did tell me one thing. Uh, so I'll I won't mention that. I'll let you mention it. if you don't. I'll add it. But oh, okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I think the publicity, especially now, you know, being on TV and things like that, really add to it. The fact. In fact, they do these mega days now, the tracks especially. Yeah. So they stack these stakes races. So everyone's excited to see horses that they've heard of. You know, the casual, I don't know, casual fan, but you know, you and I have heard of uh forty thousand dollar or ten thousand dollar claiming horses. The average horse racing fan is not, but they've heard of <laughs> Maxfield, for example. So right. I think that's a, a big reason why. And I, I guess they just, you know, like in any sport, the bigger why do people bet more in the Super Bowl than on a regular game, you know, it's just a, a big deal. And they feel there's more on the line for the horses, for the horsemen. And I guess they feel they should bet it, but uh, I'm with you and I'll, I won't steal your thunder, but you know, I'm with you. Give me a 10 horse field of claimers over a six horse grade one field. I don't agree a hundred percent on what you're going to say about the, um, the odds and stuff like that, but I'll let you say that. And then I'll rebut what you're going to say. So go ahead. Why do you think they, uh, okay. Bet I, big well,
0: games? you know, the reason why is obviously, like you said, it's the best of the best and people, you know, feel that, uh, you know, they have a big, better chance. Plus obviously the better races are going to be run at the bigger tracks who have bigger handles and it gives you a better chance for a better return on your investment. All right. So I get that, but what I would love to know um, any statistics about this what what the what i would love to know is in any graded stakes race primarily grade ones because it's the best of the best what is the average win price of a horse in a calendar year of every single grade one that's run in north america and the reason why i'm asking that is because and we have at least one example in the pick five sequence that we're going to be looking at for Belmont on Saturday horses one, you know, and, and horse players. And what we preach here is horse players. Number one thing is they're looking for value. Got to have value. Got to, got to be value, but yet, religiously and you you had touched on it you know many of these grade ones attract field of six and even if they don't horses run true to form so typically chalk is going to win so where's the value in that now let me take out the calvary charge grade one race that happens on the first saturday of may typically because you're going to have 20 horses so even if the favorite wins you know you're going to get four to one on them typically or whatever but you know my my downside on getting all excited about a grade one race is that graded stakes horses run true to form and for the most part You know, you got people looking, oh, well, it looks like this one's a single. All you have to do is look in the sequence. Yeah, it's the grade one. Somebody, somebody's seven to five or whatever. So I don't see where there's value in these graded one, great, graded stake races. So you you can take the opposite side.
1: Well, it's not the opposite side. I don't disagree with you totally um, a little bit. I think you touched upon something important. The fact that often, especially on the dirt, these grade one fields are very small outside of the Derby of the Breeders' Cup. So you're getting five or six horse fields. So, you know, even if you're getting the second or third choice, you're not getting a huge price, generally speaking. Um, But I don't think I like the fact. And one thing I like about graded stakes uh, and grade ones is that generally there's a little less randomness. There's always randomness in horse racing, but there's less because, you know, claiming race. And you mentioned, I think you're, you're talking about, is this horse sound? Why are they dropping them? And, uh, it's not just looking at the PPs and the races they've run, but almost like guessing what's going on with this horse. Now we're in the grade ones, you know, they're running. I'm sure there's some trainers who might put a horse in or something who's not a hundred percent, but for the most part, they're, you know, fit, they're ready for the race. So there's less randomness. Yeah. That could lead to lower prices or, you know, more favorites, I guess. But if you do a good job handicapping, you can find horses that, you know, maybe have sneaky good form and they actually run to it. You know, I've been a lot of long shots who I think shouldn't be long shots, but you know, the form is kind of dirtied up a little bit, uh, but valid excuses. And then, you know, they don't run well or, or maybe they run okay, but nothing special. And you know, it's like, well, maybe cause it's a claiming race, say, you know, weren't hundred percent, maybe my handicapping was right, but there was something off with them today. We're in a grade one. If my handicapping was right, you know, it's going to be based on trip a little bit, but you're, you're going to see them run well perhaps. So I don't know if that makes sense, but um I, I'd still agree though I prefer bigger fields I don't care what the purse is I don't care what grade it is the bigger the fields to me and my bigger fields I mean competitiveness you know I don't need like a 12 horse field with six horses that are 50 to one I have no shot so it's really right. like a six horse field I mean you know give me a competitive 10 horse field any day uh and I love that when I'm looking to bet on Saturday in fact because now Saturday you know over the summer I'm betting just bet every day but Um, this time of the year, I can only really bet Saturdays and the occasional carryover, like Indiana last night where, Oh, that last race, I could not come up with that horse to save my life. I don't know. Seven horse. If you're out there on Wednesday at Indiana's finale, that was impossible to me to come up with. But anyway, I getting off topic. Um, you know, one of the first things I do is I say, all right, let me look at some of the tracks, you know, that I'm more comfortable betting. And, you know, I like Laurel. I'll look at, I'll look at Woodbine perhaps, though not as, you know, not my first option, Um, I'll look at Monmouth if they're running Belmont, obviously, and I'll see what's the average field size, you know, in the early pick five, late pick five and often pick and choose. And I end up often playing like late pick fives at three different tracks instead of like one track all day because of the field size. So that's like probably number one for me. So I don't care about the graded stakes, but yeah, no, you're right that people tend to bet the bigger races more, even if betting wise, there's not as much value or less chance of a price. And just to finish up. I think a lot of people out there are extremely chalky. I mean, you see it. I see it. people post tickets. They talk about who they're going to single. And you mentioned they're always single in grade one. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to mention a name and, you know, cause uh, problems. But I guess there's a, I think they have a podcast. Actually, I don't listen to it, but um, there's some people who uh, have a podcast. They put out picks that they sell and they put out an article the other day and it was being mocked on Twitter, three early singles for the Breeders' Cup. And it was Jackie's Warrior. Who's going to be? You know, it depends on the field, but you know,
0: (laughs) seventy-five. Life life is good.
1: (laughs) Yes, life is good. Who's going to be? You know, even money, and then uh, Gamine, I think, was the other maybe. Who's also about even money. So basically, three even money shots. They're singling. Which listen, you might still be able to make money in the Breeders' Cup, but a month out, you're putting that. But my point is that people tend to want to hit bets. They don't think long term. You know, my winning percentage. I said this last week. I said it before. Almost all of you out there listening probably have a better win percentage on your bets. Than I do, but you know I'm happy to put my ROI against most people, not all people, most people, because I don't care about the win percentage. I care about how much money I'm actually making in the long run compared to how much I'm spending. And you know a lot of people can't handle winning 4% or 3% of their bets. So they tend to single chalk where I don't mind singling a 10 or 15 to one check because if I'm right once every 15, 20 times, I'm going to make a fortune. So anyway, uh, I I hope that answered the question. So my last point was that a lot of people are chalky and they don't mind the small fields because they can win more often.
0: All right, and I I I saw that as well on Twitter the the bashing of that uh, article, but to the to the article writer's defense, they were saying that basically last Breeders' Cup there were three chalky winners and and the pick fours and pick fives still paid handsomely. So it, it it was just saying that you can have chalk in a sequence, especially on a Breeders' Cup day, probably only on a Breeders' Cup day and still have that kind of payoff. So,
1: Well, I think you should always look to try and beat favorite. So a month out, you probably shouldn't be uh, saying you're singling four to five shots, but that's my opinion. And whatever, I'm not here to be a hater, so. We don't have to talk more about that, but um, yeah, that's uh, odd to me. But I'm not paying for that content, content anyway, so it's okay. You get us for free. Um, was that uh, sufficient answers to your QQRTW? Oh, it's a or sufficient we... answer.
0: I, you know, but I, I'm just on the record saying I, I don't, I can't get excited about uh, you know the fact that a card has five graded stakes or whatever. But you, you make a a a good point at some point in time i want to say maybe uh, almost 20 years ago yeah tracks used to have like one feature race every day or at least on saturday and now like you had mentioned eric they're they they've kind of bundled these stakes races into a mega day in hopes of uh attracting um omega handle versus trying to compete uh with other tracks that have one one decent tr- uh feature race but yeah and and that's and that's the funny thing you know having a feature race goes back to the days where there was one decent race and it al- it was always the second to last race T- typically tracks would have nine race card the eighth race was always the feature and I think to this day, um, any day of the week, you'll hear the track uh, analyst or announcer or whatever say, uh, and our feature race of the day is this $4,000 claimer or nine winners <laughs> of three, <laughs> only because it's the second to last race <laughs> on the day. So, or if you're in California, Um, your feature stakes race is run as the fourth race to accommodate TV. So um, that's, that's something totally different, but uh, no, uh, that, that satisfies uh, my, um, why is it that type of question? (laughs) So, yeah. So maybe, you know, let, let, let people continue to, handicap the, the the nice races and that, and that's the thing it's like i'm sure there's a lot of horse players that are like you know they look at a race with claimers and there's a couple of horses that haven't run in a year taking big drops they just don't want to go in the guessing game and I, I can appreciate that you know they they want to have a good opinion and not have to feel like they have to spread just in case this horse coming off a two-year layoff you know can can win or a horse taking a big drop who hasn't shown anything three levels higher you know will fit this particular level so you know to each his own and and, that's why it's called horse racing
1: and the pool size is a big thing too for some people not everyone but you know like last weekend i bet laurel i like laurel i mentioned it Um, not all the time, but you know, when they have decent, when they're on the turf and they have decent field sizes, I I enjoy it. I follow it fairly closely other than New York. It's the only other circuit I really follow closely. So, you know, I'm familiar with the jockeys and trainers and you know, what kind of trainer they are for what kind of race. And I know the horses by name, most of them. And, you know, I bet a pick five last week. And then after I bet it, you know, I wasn't paying that close attention to the pools. I'm like freaking $7,000 in the pick five pool. I'm like you know, I'm looking to make at least that I'm like, I better be the only ticket to win this or else it's like a waste of my money. So that that makes it tough. So at least the big days you get it, but which is why, you know, I like the breeders cup. I like the the derby day because generally you're getting bigger fields. So those are exceptions to that small field grade one. And you're getting the big purse sizes. So sometimes it chalks out, but you know, sometimes you get paid. Uh, Just I don't know if we need to mention other news, it's been kind of quiet uh, last few weeks horse racing, but this weekend definitely steps up a huge card at Belmont as far as graded uh, greatest stakes, a huge card at, um, at Santa Anita. Basically this is like the breeders cup. I won't, I don't want to call it like half a million or a million dollar races, prep races, but pretty much the last hurrah for these horses before the breeders cup. So big weekend and you got Keeneland opening next weekend, which I'm pretty sure we're going to cover on this show. I used to, uh, dread keeneland i loved it but i was terrible at keeneland and then last year year and a half or a couple meets i started to do well at keeneland so i'm sure i'm still down lifetime at keeneland but uh i feel a lot more confident going into this meet and actually looking forward to keeneland for once uh for from a betting standpoint uh and then the last thing i don't know if i was going to mention it but we might as well uh the belterra incident we're not really a breaking news uh show here but a horse named mox nicks of course Running off a five-year layoff with a, a spotty work tab, I don't need a published work in like a month or there was a gap. Uh, Is owned and trained by Robert Bennett of Ohio. I'll name him because I'm not happy with him. And the horse, of course, uh, broke down during the race, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was euthanized. And just disgusting. Uh, you know, I don't really bet Belterra to boycott Belterra. I might bet once a year if they have like some kind of carryover, but uh, definitely will not be betting Belterra ever again i also go to a lot of tracks and i have not been there yet and that was on the radar but uh definitely off the radar now will not be going there and um you know for all i care they can euthanize the owner and trainer like they did the horse because that's disgusting and oh, i don't know the details well, so i hate to offer my opinion on something but from the outside looking in without other details that was just awful and people should be fired and this guy should not be allowed to train horses but again i don't have all the details but seems kind of cut and dry Go ahead. Well,
0: Right. And, and my two cents worth is, yeah, it starts with the owner and trainer, but the buck stops with the track. Where was the track veterinarian? Where was the track stewards? You know, where, where I, I can't believe within the Ohio racing rules, racing commission rules that, um, it would say that horses that have been off for more than a year uh, only need to show one published workout or two published workouts or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then even if it's the rules, common sense should, should, you know, take precedent. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm there as well. Yeah, the, the horse population is continuing to dwindle. Every year, there's less and less foals. But do we really need to be bringing horses back from five-year layoffs? And the answer is uh, no. So, yep, now um, yeah, some, something that needs needs to have legs so that the people, you know, the people who are in charge are accountable for their actions or lack of action. So, enough said.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm convinced that you know horse racing at some point will be banned in this country. I, I'm convinced. I don't know if it's going to be five years, 10 years, 100 years, but people like Bob Baffert, incidents like this, it's going to make it a lot sooner rather than later, which is a shame. And people in the industry should realize that and do something about it before things like this happen. And uh, I would love to go into the Bob Baffert, Baffert lawsuit, but I'm not going to give him the time of day uh, with what's going on in New York, unless you really want to talk about it. But otherwise, we can get into some handicapping here.
0: Hey, as as long as there's Australia, A B C D E D <laughs> and F, <laughs> I need I I I need to get to Australia for horse racing. That that would be an awesome
1: uh, yes. trip. If you can find a way there, that's not a like a twenty four hour uh, plane ride. <laughs> I'm with you. That's the only thing holding me back. But all right, so let's get into some handicapping here. I guess we're going over the uh, Saturday card at Belmont, the late pick five. It is Saturday, October second. It begins with race seven. It is a mile and a 16th on the turf starter allowance, 50,000. I think many of you know, but that means that these horses at some point in their careers, I assume, or in the last year or two, but I think it's in their careers have to have started for a claiming price of $50,000 or less. And I'll tell you, this first race to me is a tough one. I think it's like wide open. The only horse I think has zero chances a 50 to one shot, Scotty, the two. Other than that, you can make a case for any horse in here. Um, very difficult spot here. So I'll talk about a few of them that I like, but you know, I hate doing what everyone's going to do, but I'm assuming everyone's going to spread here and I'm probably going to spread a little bit. The only option is I could cut down and, you know, if I lose the pick five, then just better pick four. Uh, but anyway, so who do I like? Well, there's two horses that I prefer. One's a a shortish price and one's a a longer price. So I'll start with the long price. So if he wins, I sound good. Like it was my top pick that's the 10 hoopla. Uh, for Bruce Brown, Eric Cancel do not like the post position because uh, a mile and sixteenth uh, on the inner turf at Belmont, they basically start on the turn. So outside is a quite the disadvantage. The only thing is, there's very little speed in here, and this is not even why I like the horse. It's just an added bonus that there's very little speed, and the ten should be able to get to the front rather quickly, I would think, or close to it. So even though it starts out wide, I, I'm hoping Eric Cancel can quickly get over and take the lead and hopefully wire the field here now a couple of reasons why i like this horse other than the fact that he might be the only speed in the race his first race ever was on turf and i know when you look at it he got a 51 buyer doesn't look good these are horses that run 75 to even 80 buyers 51 is not good but it was his first time as a starter it was going long which is very difficult to do as a first time starter and he was in a pretty heated pastel which you joke about it sometimes but you know you know me, I like those speed duel with the favorites and then come back next time and, and bet them. So this horse speed dueled the favorite, a six to five shot who ended up coming in fourth. So he basically did all the dirty work, took out the six to five shot, uh, and ran very well. I mean, that 51 is much better than it looks. Yeah. It was against maidens, but maiden in special weight. I don't know what kind of field it was to be honest, but you know, it's not like a, a tremendous drop from maiden, uh uh, from a starter allowance here so uh, i like the 10 he's got to improve a lot but i think that first race is better than it looks and why shouldn't he have improved since then uh his two races on the dirt weren't terrible i don't really care that much about them but they weren't terrible and now going for bruce brown i'm going to give this horse a long look and he'll be bet uh, on my ticket and the other horse i'm going to bet which typically i don't like horses like this but in this field i i, I think i do and that's the five hilliard Uh, seven to two morning line might even be the morning line favorite. I hope not, but he might be. I think he is, but it's kind of close. Hilliard, I did not like his race two back. He was in a non-winners of two claiming race. I thought he had a very good setup to close. He saved ground. I just thought he ran poorly. Now here's the deal. Last race, he went to Kentucky downs and he ran in a $732,000 stakes race. He was 48 to one. He had no chance in the race and he kind of ran that way he put up a bigger speed figure. So the question is, did he just kind of get that figure because he was in a race against better horses? He really didn't threaten that much. And therefore um, you know, it was inflated because the other horses got big numbers and you know, the way turf races the run, they're slow paces usually. So, you know, everyone's congested and close. So is that figure just because he was in that race and he kind of just got it or did he actually run decent? Well, he was three wide in the race and it's hard to tell in the video but it looked like he might've even lacked room in the stretch. And the fact that it was first off the claim from maker that stakes race to me tells me that I think the jump up in speed figure was somewhat legit. It wasn't just a product of being in that race. The fact that he ran wide, the fact that he might've lacked a little room in the stretch. uh, I don't know if no Lasix has anything to do with it. So I won't even count that. But if you're someone who looks at that, he wasn't on Lasix last time. So I think that Hilliard might've just gotten better off the maker claim and now gets big class relief And I think there's a weak field for the level. So I don't really like anyone here. I think they're all very similar, but I don't really like any of them. So I'm mostly on the five and the 10 here. I'll mention one third horse and I'll throw it to you, GQ, that uh, would be my third horse. And that's the one high tide at eight to one. Now he is coming out of a cheaper race, but $35,000 of three, but he ran against Life on Top in that race. who's four to one and he beat Life on Top. And frankly, I thought Life on Top actually had a better trip. So The fact that Life on Top had a better trip and High Tide still beat Life on Top, I don't know why I wouldn't pick Life on Top ahead of, uh, I'm sorry, High Tide ahead of Life on Top, again, because High Tide beat Life on Top with, I mean, he didn't have a bad trip, High high Tide, he had an average trip, but Life on Top had a very good trip, so uh, High Tide would be my third pick, this was a tough, a couple of these rays are really impossible morning lines, so we'll see if they're accurate, I have no idea, but uh, so I'm five ten, uh, maybe the one. Those would be my top threes. Possibly I go a little deeper, but I don't want to talk forever. But definitely like pick threes and doubles. If I am betting, uh, it, it'll be mostly one five ten. Press a little more with the five ten, and then press with the ten the most with the doubles and pick threes. GQ your uh, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it, uh, I'll just mention a horse that you you didn't as a potential for maybe. Being part of the not not the pace, or maybe you know could could get out if uh, your horse uh, from the outside Hoopla uh, doesn't get out, but there's no reason why he shouldn't coming off of the two sprints. And I like your analogy of uh, you know first time out he was going long, showed early speed and weakened in his first start. But uh, I'm talking about the six horse Fingal. 12 to one morning line for Rudy rod comes off the claim immediately protects the horse. The horse tried to uh, run on the turf last two times at Saratoga. Uh, it's been able to work with the horse. The horse has been steadily working through it, uh, through, um, since the claim and, uh, the horse, uh, broke its maiden beating of all horses, Hilliard, uh, in that race, uh, who was in that race. So if I'm going to get 12 to one on Finn Gal, get back on the turf where originally he was and broke his maiden, uh, albeit for the 50K tag. Um, hey, I'll, I'll stick with him. Ricardo Santana, hopefully, can have him forwardly placed, maybe just at the shoulder hoopla, and... Um, turn back uh the late commerce so that, that's all i got
1: yeah i actually singled i'll toot my own horn and i singled fingal on uh june 6th when he won so he made me a lot of money but he also go. had an amazing trip that day so i think i got a little lucky and uh i'm not saying you can't do it i can literally i can see anyone winning this i've always oh, been an obby fan but what's that of course you're saying you can't do it. Cause no, I not think. at all. I just, I told you anyone can win this. I just have the horses that I think might be slightly better, but I'm not sure. Uh, and and some of the other horses I didn't mention the main competition is drawn outside, you know, the land biscuits, the Lord Flincher. So hopefully the outside posts gives them wide trips and will help my horses. Molino is interesting. The three, I don't like him, but there's a horse who, you know, broke his maiden ran well on his maiden uh, score made in 50 for Chad. They paid $180,000, willing to give him up for 50 1st time, so that's probably not a good sign they want to get rid of him, but they got the win, and then they protected him last time, meaning they didn't put him up for claiming because they knew they can qualify for these uh, starter allowance races, and he had, like, a perfect trip and just stunk. Forget the bumped at the break. I don't even think he got bumped. If it was, it was mini-school. He had a perfect trip, sitting right behind the speed saving ground, and just stunk. So I-, I can't bet that horse back, but they're trying to keep him again. I guess they feel he can be competitive at this level. I don't know, but you won't see Chad and, uh, and Peter Brandon a big price uh, too often. so,
0: Right. And, really and like that's him. the thing. It's like, if with, you know, you got Chad, Peter Brandt, first time turf going long, you know, it, it just the setup or, you know, the players involved scream chalk first time starter and the horse goes off 11 to one. Obviously it surprised everybody uh, probably including Chad. So they figured, okay, maybe we were wrong about this horse. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, doesn't show anything in the morning and you know, he's better in the afternoon. So I guess that's the assumption of coming back and running at Saratoga took all the money and ran like he was supposed to to run, (laughs) uh, when, uh, when he was 11 to one. So yeah, uh, that's a, interesting, you know, reading the tea leaves on, on that one. Uh, I, I can't back him uh, as well.
1: So yeah, he, he would have to improve off that first start a little, but if he runs back to that first race, he, he, he fits now. Right. One thing you mentioned, I, I will move on, but you know, one thing you mentioned, cause I hear this analysis a lot, and I don't a hundred percent agree with it or maybe 50% agree, but you said, Oh, he was 11 to one, a Chad Brown should get bet. The fact that he wasn't bet means, you know, he wasn't expecting much. The other way to look at that though, is if he wasn't Chad Brown, and he should be betting and he's not. Perhaps it was just a really tough field that other horses were taking money. So, you know, when people say that, I don't always agree with it. I might be like, whoa, maybe, you know, it was just a tougher field than you think for a $50,000 claimer. But I'm not saying you're wrong in your analysis of this horse. But that's just something to think about when, uh, when you see that.
0: Well, uh, the, 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 the fact that the horse he beat came back to break its maiden and next time out shows that maybe yeah. there were decent horses
1: in there. Perhaps that's another thing that people like that. I don't like to look at. <laughs> 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 he came back. Maybe he came back with a perfect right. trip against made in twenties. And, and it's like, exactly right at this level, he get crushed by 30. So um, I, I think I'm not, obviously it can't hurt that the horses came back to win, but I think you actually lose value betting horses that when, when it's obvious like that, when they showed in the PPs that the horse he ran against came back to win, you actually lose some value, but yeah. um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm, you know, if you really are no, into it, you, you, no, know, you're
0: you're you're 100 correct, and a lot of people won't go the one step further
1: to right. look up the horse and see where he won. Exactly. See the speed figure you put up, who he beat, you know that kind. Of, yeah. If you do that work, then I agree 100. percent Then go for you know how they ran. But if you're just gonna look, oh, he won. That's that's not good enough. All right, so we'll move on to race eight. It is the Champagne Grade One. It is one mile on the dirt. This is two-year-old boys. I guess girls could go in, but no girls came in and. Uh, James Chapman entered a horse who I assume will either scratch or lose by 40 lengths. Other than that, uh, it actually, you know, you mentioned how these, and I mentioned on these grade one fields came up really short and they always come up short um, on, on the amount of runners, six runners here, six runners in the, uh, in the Woodward, but yeah, i pretty nice young horses here, <laughs> like the right five, if you will. Um, well, and I don't, I, I'm, I had a lot of trouble with this race. So uh, the four Kavad, however you say it, you know listen it's horse racing anything can happen the horse can't win i don't think so forget that horse but no one's gonna bet i i
0: I would take the under 40 lengths though
1: under 40 all right well if there was a way i guess there is a way to measure the chart but
0: there is a uh, way we could
1: charge all right well i might take that i'll think about 40 lengths um i think the horse would be scratched personally but uh i think they put him in knowing it's gonna be a six horse field and they'll see And when they saw good horses they'll scratch but I don't know. Hey,
0: look, Wit is the two-to-one favorite, and he lo- only lost to Wit by 15, going six.
1: When was that? Oh, two back, two, yeah. Two
0: races back.
1: That's true. Well, if you project that out over a mile, Wit made up uh, three lengths on him in the stretch there, so projected to a mile, that's, I don't know if it's 40, but anyway. Um, so, you have five pretty nice two-year-olds here. Um, I just, I had trouble with the race. First of all, on first glance, Gunite Is a grade one winner, right? He he won the hopeful by five lengths. He was 11 to one. So you said you can't get prices in grade ones, but you got a price in that one, 11 to one uh, on Gunnite. And, you know, it's weird because if you look at his speed figure, I don't know if you have the Brisnet or whatever, but, you know, his his buyer is a little lower than a couple of these. The one, the two, and the three all got to the 90s where he hasn't. But Gunnite did it really nicely. Uh, first of all, in the hopeful, he had a slight stumble at the start. It wasn't terrible, but he he was towards the middle or back of the pack. And he kind of had a you know slow, he didn't like rush up all of a sudden, but he kind of slowly rushed up. And then he dueled two horses. Now, one was a long shot, 33 to one. The other was a seven to one shot, but he dueled them and they just like walked home. So he totally put away the other speeds after not breaking all that well. So to me, even though they were a bit of a long shot, seven to one's not a huge long shot in an 11 horse field there. Um, especially when Witt was three to five or whatever he was in the race. So, you know, seven to one was probably like third or fourth choice. That was a, a a pretty, not pretty, that was a really impressive performance. I guess the question with Gunnight is, you know, the, the distance, but out of Gunrunner, I mean, Gunrunner can go long. I, I'm not that worried about the distance. So, and he has come off the pace in the past. Granted, it was going five furlongs. So I don't know if he needs to get in a huge speed door. If, if like Jack Christopher, or someone goes in him, but he could just be the speed with Ricardo Santana very aggressive, so I I actually like Gunite here in this spot at four to one to come back and win again. I think Wit will be difficult, but Wit has a problem. He doesn't break well. True back. it doesn't say it, but he broke poorly. He brushed the gate. Was about a length slow, although it doesn't say it in the PPs. That was on July seventeenth, and then last race he stumbled. I mean, awful at the break. He stumbled really bad. Then he kind of rushed up, made like a middle move, and. He just didn't have enough left to go by, but he ran a, a heck of a race. Don't let the 72 buyer fool you uh, into thinking he wasn't good. I mean, without that stumble, who knows if he wins. So, you know, I, I think Wit's going to be very tough too here. So to me, it's, it's the one five or the, the two horses I want uh, most in this race. And then looking at the others uh, just real quick. Uh, do you want to jump in or should I just finish up? No, you can finish up. Okay. So now you have the two, my prankster, the three, uh, Jack Christopher at nine to five. My prankster had a perfect, perfect trip. Um, So he, even though he got the 92 buyer, even though he could improve second out, Pletcher second out, he won by 10 lengths. He might be a monster for, I know, $600,000 purchase. To me, a horse coming off the perfect trip, lacking the experience against some of these. I'm not saying my prankster can't, I know he can win. He's not a bad horse at all. I'm sure he's a terrific horse, but you know, that's a horse I would rather bet against unless he drifts up uh, real high in price. And you can see if you're betting the pick five, the double will pay. So you have a uh, probable, So you have an idea. Uh, fourth horse came back to win next out in a maiden special weight. So, again, I don't know if that matters. But, again, nothing really against my prankster other than, you know, he had the perfect trip. So I, I'd rather try and beat a horse like that. I do Jack Christopher. I was a little more impressed with his first race, if that makes sense. They were both very impressive, one one by 10 and one one by eight. Uh, But he stalked and then dueled a 12-to-1 shot who came in fourth, um, who came back to run third and made it special weight. Obviously, the runner-up came back to win, but at least he had to do some dirty work up front. Jack Christopher, I think he's going to be overbet. Like, for him to be the morning line favorite to me, I don't want to say it's a joke, and I heard people on Twitter talking this horse up a lot already, so I think he will take a lot of money. But, again, two and three could win. I I think the five and the one are the horses that I'd prefer, though. And nothing against the six, either command performance. I know his buyer was a little light. But he had a slow start, like one or two lengths, slow start. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good setup. I thought it set up a little bit for closers. So, you know, even though he made up a lot of ground, I thought the setup helped him. So I don't necessarily love the six, but I wouldn't be shocked if he won. Uh, the only horse where he shocked me was the four, but I'm mostly going to be on the one and five here in doubles, pick threes. Uh, I'm going to be on the one and five and pick five. We'll see if I single a price, which I might, maybe I'll throw in a little more chalk, but uh, mostly one, five. Go ahead, GQ. Sorry.
0: No, 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 that's fine. Um, might as well throw in the uh, what are the buyer speed figures for these guys versus the Brisnet? Because the Jack Jack Christopher has the best Brisnet uh for his maiden win at ninety nine second uh Gunite second with his win in the Hopeful was ninety seven and mm. Wits uh, ninety six two back. So what kind of what, what kind of comparison is that to what buyers are?
1: Uh, well, if I was using Brisnet, I would single gun. Height. I would love gun height, but um, because <laughs> the Brisnet makes it better. But that kind of obsessed me because maybe it'll take more money than the forty-one. Um, and I got an eighty-three for his winning the whole full. Jack Christopher got a ninety-two for his uh for his maiden score. Right. Witten Chewback got a ninety. And okay. my prankster got a 92 last out. So basically, the two and three got 92s last out. Got a wit last I got 72 because he stumbled, had a bad break. But right. he got a 92 back with that slow start, but he always gets a slow start, so you might have to deal with that. And Gunite is slower with an 83 and, and command performance only got 75. So you know, Buyers huh. has Gunite slower, but I love the way Gunite did both of his last races, dueling, doing a lot of dirty work. So um, like I said, I'm on the one five. The one scares me because of the uh potential for a bad start inside post uh you know maybe he gets uh stumble again but who who knows i'm i'm willing to give him a little bit of a break here a shot just cuz um i'm going to try and beat the uh the second time starters
0: well uh have some uh facts for people to any you know, anybody who looks at the champagne this isn't a uh fact going into the race it's after the race Last time a Champagne winner went on to win the Kentucky Derby was 29 years ago, when Sea Hero won in 1992. Um, prior to that, the Champagne was quite the two-year-old uh, prep for uh, this was pre. <laughs> you have to go back before Breeders' Cup when the likes of St- Spectacular Bid and um uh alidar and uh seattle slew won back in the late 70s but yeah i know Aladar didn't win um the derby <laughs> <laughs> but close. anyway so yeah close but uh so, yeah, so uh, just make a mental note, those who like to put down, waste money on futures, Kentucky Derby futures, um, regardless of who wins here, just go with the flow, go with the trend and uh, toss this, toss the winner of the champagne from your Derby uh, futures. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a wide open race outside of the uh, four, but yeah. Um, yeah, you can make an excuse for pretty pretty much any of them and it's going to come down to probably if wit has figured out how to get get away from the gate. Maybe maybe he's just like so quick his hooves come out from under him and that's why he's always stumbling and uh get, getting off slow or whatever. So, you know, if anybody can figure him out, it's the Toddster. So, uh Yeah, and you know that, and that's a funny thing. Is like, okay, so uh, is your favorite uh, morning line maker uh, making Gunite four to one because he feels that if Wit didn't stumble so bad, he would have beat Gunite in the hopeful, or 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 what's the reason why Gunite should be you should get four to one on Gunite versus two to one on Wit.
1: Well, hey, I don't know if he's going to get that on Gunite, but the reason he made it, I guess, is because look at their odds last race. I mean, one was right. three to five, yeah. and one was eleven to one, and the the right. three to five had a huge excuse. I mean, it wasn't like a little stumble; it was like a ridiculous. I mean, he took himself yeah, out of the race. Was, For him to get second was uh, a, a amazing feat. So that's why he'll, you know, be favored. I would think over uh, Gunite and and maybe the favorite yeah. in the race. I don't know, but maybe people give and, up on uh, on him a little. Yeah, and and, and as
0: two. regardless of how many horses Asmussen run at at naira tracks he's not going to get the kind of money or backing that pletcher and irad would get so um yeah he i'm sure he figures into that so so i mean if if you look at it and you know it looks like a speed duel between jack christopher and gunite and you say gunite could put jack christopher away maybe
1: well, that's why I want to use wit also. If that does happen, you know, I want to have a horse that can come off the pace or will come up the pace. But I'm terrible at judging pace. I mean, these horses have run once. They, they can do anything. Jack Chris right. off the pace. I'm sure he can go to the lead. Um, i say even Gunnett, if he needs to, can probably sit a little bit, but I don't expect him to, but he could. His last workout was a little slower, so maybe that is them trying to rate him. I have no idea, but we'll see how the race plays out.
0: Well, and, and for those who, you know, since I pointed out, you know jack christopher the the runner-up came back to break his maiden so i looked him up he actually was put up he lost by half a length and the winner was uh uh dq'd uh but the the number came back huge in that uh now i can i don't have the brisnet or whatever but the the horse that ran second to Jack Christopher when Jack Christopher won by eight and three quarters. He, in that race, his, his Equibase number was 68. And even though he ran second, this was a Churchill downs going six furlongs on the dirt uh, just a few days ago, he got a 100 Equibase speed figure coming off of a 68 so um you know so that, and the- and he he ran second and the third place finisher was nine and a quarter you know behind him so it was basically a two horse race there uh right. all the way
1: the horse that jack christopher kind of stalked or dueled with a little was a 12 to one shot who finished fourth that horse came back to run third in the maiden special weight, which, again, I don't know how he did it. I didn't watch the replay. I'm not watching replays of horses that were in the past performance lines. But, um, you know, so I would like to see that horse come back and win. And I didn't make a note of his uh, figure, but I looked it up, and I'm sure it wasn't anything like crazy. Maybe it was – I'm sure it was better, but wasn't anything crazy. So, listen, he can win. I'm not saying he might be a monster, but I'm I'm willing to mostly take a stab against him and uh, and, and back wit as my other uh, choice to go night. Okay. You want to move on or do you want to add more? You're done? Nope. All right. Race nine, the Belmont turf sprint invitational grade three, six furlongs on the inner turf. And this is a race where a couple things, first of all, if you can find speed on paper, let me know (laughs) because there's not much of it. And it's a turf sprint. So you think speed is important. And sec, especially on the inner. And secondly, I have a negative, you know, my plus minus like an upgrade or downgrade performances. Almost every horse has a, negative in this race except for one horse i upgraded his last race and i'm actually going to single this race there if i use a second horse you know i'll tell you who it is but i'm most likely going to single this race on a horse that i know i know you will not like and that's a hint you'll figure it out in a second when you look but there's no way you like the horse i like in this race first of all the one Piety bianchi i think has entered at indiana grand and i don't know where he's going to run uh, she i'm surprised she's 20 to one in the morning line here. I thought a little shorter, although with the jockey, maybe uh, 20 to one is accurate, but might not run here. And I kind of hope she doesn't because I'm not scared of the horse, but the horse, uh, I think it's an outside shot and might be a little bit of a speed and I'm taking who I think might be the only speed. Uh, so I'll, I'll go to the horse I like. I won't procrastinate. And that's the three arrest me red horse who I know GQ will not like because this is a three-year-old who uh, never ran against older and GQ does not like that. Uh, so these are horses who came off of a, what is that? A nine or 10 month playoff to run at Saratoga in the Mahoney uh, overnight stakes. And in that race, that race killed me. You might remember that race. I'm trying to think where I was. I was at a track somewhere. I might've been at Monmouth that day. I was and, on
0: vacation then.
1: Yeah. I think I was at Monmouth because I hit that late pick five. And if Fauci would have won, I think it paid like two grand. I didn't look it up. Maybe 2000, something like that. If Fauci would have beat him, I used both Arrest Me Red and Fauci. And I want to say, well, Arrest Me Red was two to one. Fauci was like eight or 10 to one. And Fauci was closing late. And I was like, oh, if Fauci wins this, I'll be alive for so much. Probably would have paid like 10 grand, something like that. But anyway, um, Arrest Me Red. First of all, last race was off the layoff. So I don't know if that, I know Ward's good off the layoff. So maybe he's not going to run that much better second off the layoff, but had a three wide trip. So covered a lot more, well, a decent amount more ground than the others um and and still won and i don't know that fauci was going by so fast anyway so um that that was a a nice performance and then i'm like ah but you know the the gq um is in my brain there saying three-year-old three-year-old against older and i'm like oh maybe he just ran against weaker but then i'm looking oh he, he
0: barely ran against anybody he ran against four others
1: well, yes, that's true. Three
0: wide but, in a
1: f- uh, against four other ones, boy. I, I know. Well, hopefully <laughs> I read doesn't figures out a little shorter route. But then I'm looking at the other horse. Who'd they run against? I'm looking at the, the – well, I can't be – he ran against Robin Sparkles, who's a horse who quits every time he gets an easy lead or she gets an easy lead against, like, Caravelle, and we know is not that good. Back to his roots, I mean, who's in the the morning run in the past four and seven? Beating a few back. Goal's like an 85 buyer horse at best. I think a New York brand even. Um by land and sea is actually a horse I give a little thought to, but who now he actually ran. And the reason is he actually ran against Decorated Invader, at least he ran against like a really good horse. Um, but he's off a year layoff, so I don't know if I can go with that one. Uh, therapist who every time I see the horse run, I think of um, the um, Saturday Night Live, and now Norm McDonald, uh, unfortunately has left us. But if you guys remember SNL with uh, Sean Connery, and um, he would uh, Norm McDonald would play Sean Connery. And he had a celebrity Jeopardy. And there was a category,
0: don't say it, don't say it, (laughs) therapist.
1: And he pronounced it a little differently. Uh, So it was funny. If you want, you can go back and Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. But um, therapists, I I was actually with you at Timonium when therapists ran, if you remember. Yes, I remember that. You were watching on that TV. And therapists, I needed therapists that day and got a great setup, a very fast, heated pace. And um, he just saved every inch of ground and he just couldn't go by. Maybe he would have gone by if they kept going, but um, he had the perfect setup that race, but who'd he run against? I mean, City man's a nice horse, but Rinaldi, who I know has done well, but Rinaldi's done well because he's have easy leads. Jimmy Cogsman running against Ghoul also duress. The These are, you know, 80 something buyers. And we ran against a decent horse like fast running in love, but you know, in a tough race, he was nowhere to be found. Pulsate hasn't really, you know, again, they haven't beat no one, but they haven't beat like great horses. I know Fio was a nice horse. May he rest. I think he passed away. I hope I'm wrong, but I think he did. Um, but you know, he ran against Fio who was a decent horse, but even still, I don't know. And then, you know, I can keep going on. On the only one who ran against good horse, really good horse is chewing gum big class relief, but I'm on a recipe, right? Not just for the reasons I said, the layoff, the fact he ran, uh, you know, three wide last time, the fact that, yeah, he only beat three rolls, but honestly they're probably just as good as who these others were running against, except for chewing gum. Uh, I'm okay. I think he'll improve a lot. First of all, his 90 buyer to me was more like a 93, 94, which right there puts him at the head of the class just about. And then on top of that, I think he's going to improve off of that significantly where I don't know if anyone else is. So I'm on a recipe red. If I went with a second horse, which I'm not going to, maybe like vertically. Um, and I don't think you need get eight to one because he's always bet, except when he's against uh, monsters. But Chewing Gum, uh, this is pretty significant class relief. I, know, relief. I know it's been grade threes. It hasn't been grade ones, except for the jiper. But, you know, he, he's had significantly tougher race. I mean, as much as I don't like fast boat, he ran a monster race there. Gear jockey has proven to be a very good uh, sprinter. Uh, so I don't think he ran against monsters the last two per se, but, but pretty good horse much better than these. Uh, he had a great setup in that diaper, the grade one, when he came second, to cost screen. But um, if I had to bet a second horse, but you know, the fact that there's no speed is not going to help chewing gum. And I- I'm, I'm totally willing to single arrest me red. And it's as much as I don't love arrest me red. It's not like I'm fawning over arrest me red. I really don't like anyone else uh, back to his roots. The rate, the race of pulsate one, which a few of them are coming out of, it set up so beautifully for closure. So back to his roots, got a perfect setup. Pulsate who was closer to the pace, you can argue, but had like the perfect trip, save ground behind the speed, not that close that, you know, he got caught up in any kind of speed goal. I said, therapist got a great setup. Gildman got a great setup in that Pulsate race. So Delgrano in a different race has got a perfect trip, perfect setup. So I downgrade a lot of these and you're not going to get value. Um, you know, maybe back to his roots because now it's second off a layoff will improve. But uh, I can see the horse. So uh, anyway, I'm I'm going on and on. When all I'm going to do is single a recipe, right, and try and survive. Your thoughts?
0: My thoughts is why why do you think that the one horse is not going to have speed?
1: Um, I I no, I said I hope he scratches her. Carlos Martin and run certain in the oh, because oh, okay. it's the only I'm other sorry. horse that might show some speed, but even still, I mean, Arrest Me Red is probably quicker. I don't even care. Arrest Me Red can sit off a Pieti Bianchi; it doesn't matter. It doesn't need the lead. Uh, right. But if you look at the rate, I mean, Pieti Bianchi a little slower paces when the horse is on the lead. Last time was a yielding chart, so it's you know slowed down. Track variant was high. Yeah, so twenty-three right. second quarter is probably more like twenty-two. You know, in one, 22 and two, but you know, generally that horse has been going longer, getting the lead. So, uh, you know, we'll see against sprinters here. But, um, yeah, no, definitely could show speed. And Arrested me Red could show speed. But me Red is just as good sitting off the pace a little bit.
0: In the same way with the eight, Belgrano, no, you, don't, you don't think he'll uh, want to be
1: part uh, of it? Listen, in this race, there's not much speed, so definitely could. But I don't think it's a, a speed burner. According to the time form numbers, if you look at that, uh, early pace Belgrano is in 88, Piede Bianca's in 93, arrest me reds in 85. So, according to that, uh, they'll be fed. Arrest me reds like the fourth early speed horse here, so sure. not the only speed. But I, I think listen, I Red's not usually go to the lead type always. But regardless, I like the fact that arrest me red has speed. So, whether he goes to the lead or not, if there's no pace, he can go to the lead. And if not, if there is a little bit of a pace or any pace, he can just sit right behind. You know, I will tuck in, you know, he'll knock some jockeys off their horses if he has to to get them out. In the stretch, and you know, if Arrest Me Red's good enough, I can see a good trip. And I said, I don't really like anyone else here.
0: Right? Yeah, I I agree with you. Actually, wow. you know, the, 3 okay? Well, I'll, hold on a second. Let's not go overboard. I I I agree with you. Outside of your, I I agree with your uh, analysis of uh, these other horses. Um, Yeah, Arrest Me Red, I. I looked and it's like okay now I'm torn because look who the owners are and I oh, always boy, I man. always gravitate to, to that th- those owners um, Leal Stables which yeah uh, obviously the horse coming off an eight month layoff something must have went amiss maybe they get they just gave him the the winter off for for starters um, they brought him back. Uh, I'm assuming that um, Ward had him immediately after uh, having the winter off because he's working out at Keeneland and I know Delacour doesn't go to Keeneland. He's a a fair hills guy. So. um, and, And so. For whatever reason, they they gave the horse to Ward because they tend to stay with Delacour regardless of these horses. You know, maybe maybe that's a good thing for you that they they're like, hey, this horse this horse uh, is better than where I'm heading with with uh, your horses. So uh, hand them off to a, to a trainer who's going to uh, go to the bigger venues. Because I'm pretty sure I saw Arrest Me Red's first race when kind of won for fun, uh, and they were betting him off the board because of that, uh, obviously. Um, but, yeah, no, I uh, – and, again, we're now in later in the year. Yeah, it's his first time against older. Still is kind of a mm, – not unless I love him. Um, I don't, I don't want to get in your head that much that you're not going to use him. I'm sure you're still going to you use not, him. Don't worry.
1: But... <laughs> <laughs> three for but, three and turf sprints too, if that matters. It's granted, against three-year-olds or two-year-olds actually. But...
0: Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you said, probably probably the, the mare is going to probably get scratched. And so uh, I'm looking at maybe the um, seven, pulsate, uh Another one that it looks like he maxes out at five and a half, even though he did, you know, just get beat three back at Belmont going six on a good turf. He looks like a, you know, closing sprinter who would rather go five and a half versus six. Um, but I, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you in that there, there isn't anybody else who jumps off the page, you know, the chewing gum angle. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, we're, we're talking about the graded stakes. There's some horses in here who've always run with the uh, uh, Lasix, some who have not. So there's something to look at there. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and, and as far as Bella I'm not big on horses who who've, coming from mammoth when it mammoth i you know i just can't i just can't back them sorry um so i've said a whole lot of nothing
1: great thank you <laughs> uh and my land and sea is a little interesting to me but uh you know just the long layoff is tough to take but i like some of the horses in his uh past performance lines there decorated invader even jack and noah um actually running against Art collector in a turf sprint first out so um, you know, that horse is, uh, interesting to me, but like I said, off the layoff, at least you get a price off the layoff and lower speed figures, but now at four should be improved. So, um, you know, if, if I bet vertically, I'll use the rest me red, but by land and see the four, the chewing gum, the nine, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe if the one's running probably not though. I usually jockeys that don't matter to me, but in this one might, and, uh, you know, that, that's where I'm going to go. Mostly three with the four, nine and the four, if I bet vertically, all right, you ready to go on to race 10? Sure. All right. The Woodward grade one, a mile and an eighth on the dirt, half a million dollars. And it drew a small field of six, but a, a pretty solid group of six. Once again, we have one horse entered that'll either scratch or you know doesn't belong and that's the four Mogacha, 50 to one. I like that David Aragona puts 50 to one. A lot of tracks will put 20 to one, 30 to one. When they know the horse is going to be minimum 50 to one. So I like that he does that. Very few tracks do that. I don't know if it's not to insult the, the connections or something, but um, you know, I like that, but Mo gotcha might play a role in this race. If he does run just because he does have a lot of early speed. So it could really affect the pace because if Mo gotcha scratches, or if he's just outclassed, I mean, he, he does run a half in like 46, 45, you think you know, he's outclassed. He should be able to show speed, but, um, you know, unless he's outclassed or scratch, he, he could affect the pace here, uh, if he runs. And, uh, that could affect the way that people see this race, because you have art collectors been showing a lot of speed and Forza Di Dioro show some speed so could could affect the pace but um i had trouble with this race because you know we we've probably talked about maxfield before on the show and stuff and i know he really hasn't beaten anyone amazing um you know he, he ran second to nick's go which nick's go is probably the best horse in training right now i guess at least dirt uh, distance horse but um you know he did come in a nice second to him i guess even though it was pretty far back but I'm always looking to beat Maxfield. It just never seems there's anyone in the race to beat him. This is probably the the deepest field he's gone against. go is the best horse he ran against by far, but he's never really been in a race where he's facing multiple hundred plus buyer horses. And he basically has four competitors here who all have run over a hundred buyer. So he's definitely in a tough spot. The problem is I, I don't know how many of these other horses I like. Um, I'll, I'll talk about one eight. I'm not betting, and that's Art Collector. I'm not betting Art Collector. I'm not saying you can't win, and if you like him, don't let me talk you off of him, three-to-one morning line. I hope he takes a lot of money, Art Collector. But I just feel he really benefited from the trip in his last two. Uh, two back, he had a pretty easy lead, which I think really helped him. He beat Night Ops, who's a decent horse, but you know we're talking like a low-mid-90s buyer horse in Night Ops, if I'm not mistaken, and you know more of a grade-two uh, type, maybe grade-three at best. And then in the Charlestown Classic, um, you know, he he didn't pass uh, Sleepy Eyes Todd, I guess, but the four horses who were well ahead of everyone else stayed one, two, three, four, basically. No one passed him, including a a 25 to one shot who held fourth. Um, So it was basically uh, speed really helped. Again, nice that he passed the horse Sleepy Eyes Todd, but I think the trip helped and the fact he was up on a pace on that course helped. So to me, art collectors races are not as good as they might look. no. He's won. He's won relatively easily. He's a four-year-old. He could be improving still. So I, I wouldn't talk you off him, but I'm comfortable leaving out Art Collector here in this spot. So without Art Collector, I don't know what to tell you about the others. I'm, I'm not really sure. I had kind of given up on Code of Honor. In the last race, he puts up a monster speed figure. I would tend to lean against Code of Honor just because of who he beat. Um, you know, Fat Man is like a grade three horse or whatever, 90 buyer, low 90 is the best uh I, I just don't think he now he won easy so don't hold it against me there was a layoff and he could get better so i'm not saying court of Honor couldn't win but he'd probably be my my fourth choice in this race and i actually bet dr post last time i used him at least in the pacific classic uh, i thought he'd run well and i don't know if you're out there and you didn't watch the replay watch the replay of that race i'm really not sure what to make of it he was well back saving ground uh, actually he wasn't that far back. He was, he was back, but he was like four lengths back. And then all of a sudden, as they go around the turn, the, the final turn, he just starts dropping back and it looked like he was giving up. And then he comes on again at the end. He never really threatened or anything, but just an interesting ride from him. And, you know, still put up a respectable figure and came in third in a decent race there. So I don't know. I don't love Dr. Post, but I could see him winning this, especially if there is a pace up front Um, and and then the other horse who I'm torn on too, but I kind of tend to like, and the horse I would probably bet is Forza Dioro. I don't even know if I love this horse. This is a horse who I really thought was going to be very good this year. Came back and off the layoff. Yeah, it was just an allowance, optional claiming, but ran a bang up race. I thought, uh, very nicely. Um, I'm trying to look what I wrote here. He stalked a seven to one shot who came in four. So, you know, it wasn't like the fastest pace, but it was decent pace. And it was, um, it was a layoff. And the horse that he stalked that was 7-1, that faded fourth, it was well-beaten fourth, like way, way back. So, you know, he again, it wasn't against much. Then they put him in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. And, you know, that race, I liked Happy Saver. I might have even been against Forza Dioro. I'm not sure in that race. I've long been a Max Player fan. Uh, you know, I think he's a decent horse and improving. I don't think he's a fluke. But anyway... Um, he was stalked by uh, Max Player last race. And Max Player went on to win, but I don't think there's any shame in that. He put up a lower speed figure. Maybe it's a little further than he wants to go, a mile and a quarter. Um, you know, that could be the case. And uh, third off a layoff, I think he can sit just off the pace if Mo Gotcha goes with our collector or whatever. So I don't love Forza Diora, Dioro, but, you know, that would be an alternative maybe. And, and I think Maxfield will be tough in this field because, you know, he's lost the to Go he's lost to Idol and Express Train. Are any of these horses as good as him? Maybe. I mean, they might be. But, um, you know, I, I don't love Maxfield. It's tough to take a short price on horses you don't love. But I just... I, I, they're all nice horses. They're all like 100 by horses. I just don't know if I really love any of them. So Forza Dioro will be my pick for the price. And I think he'll get at least 5-1, to one, I hope, uh, in this race. The other Babka, or the other Mott horse in this case, Forza Dioro for me. GQ? It
0: looks like, uh, you know a race with six horses with uh, split into three pieces. You have art collector and Mogacha are going to be out on the lead. You're going to have Max field and, uh, Forenza dear Dioro in the second flight. And then you're going to have Dr. Post and code of honor trailing the field. It's like, it all depends on which set of horses are going to dictate the pace if mogacha and art collector are able to stay within themselves then maybe art collector is the horse that uh, you know pulls away coming into the stretch if mogacha forces art collector to go a little quicker than needs to go then it sets it up obviously for maxfield Interesting that Maxfield puts Blinkers on in this particular case. I don't know yeah, it's uh, if, that, if that's a uh, suggestion from finally, uh, you know, Jose. I actually
1: top- have the answer. Oh, okay. I, I know the answer. The okay. answer is that Brendan Walsh has been listening to Better Betting, and he learned from GQ that second time Blinkers is a lock, and his next race is going to be in the Breeders' Cup. So if you put some there Blinkers on now, Breeders' Cup second-time Blinkers, lock it up.
0: But he also knows that
1: GQ says
0: it, it's a lock second-time Blinkers as long as you don't win. Well, then bet
1: against him, so don't bet Maxfield. So
0: if, if if you have inside information that Brendan Walsh has been listening to GQ, then you, here's a toss. You can toss Maxfield because you know he's just wearing Blinkers to, as a setup. The Breeders' Cup.
1: Well, if he loses, I will think that maybe Walsh has been listening and he's waiting for the Breeders' Cup. So
0: there you go. We'll see what happens. And the fact Code Honor is second choice, he's 0 for 4 at this distance. A horse that's won 7 out of 17 being 0 for 4 at a specific distance, I think, is huge. Even though he hasn't been off the board, but a, a horse of his talent shouldn't be off the board you know when he's running in his backyard right so you know um no shipping there so uh who knows you might have something there with uh forenza
1: dioro you yeah, know something like so. that forenza Dioro, same thing yeah, yeah So I'm, but I'm yeah die, a-
0: the, the doctor post i watched that race because i think i also bet doctor yeah, we covering it
1: on the podcast i think i, I right. think you were there, unless you were out that week but
0: and he looked like he was through. He was backing right. up on the far turn, right. and then all of a sudden he comes flying. So, um, you know, that would be a positive. So, but you know, you don't know how the how the track's going to be playing, how the pace is going to be, and that's why you know these horses will be evenly
1: bet. And one thing about uh, Cordovan, if you want to look, I, I, this didn't really impact my thoughts on it. But Two okay. Back was the one race he didn't run with Lasix. Granted, it was the World Pegasus World Cup or whatever, but other than right. Nick's go, it wasn't really a great feel. It was Nick's go and a bunch of other horses, sure. um, and that was his by far worse race. Now, he was watching, it says, and all that, so you know maybe there was something else going on, but perhaps without Lasix, he's just not that great. I, I don't believe in that because I don't think Shug would run him if he bled or something bad happened, but right. um, that's something you might want to look at. So just to recap, I'm on the six, four is the Euro. Uh, two, Maxfield field be my second, and then Dr. Post if I go... Uh, you know, with the third horse would be uh, my third horse, but uh, and and I try and beat Court of Honor and Art Collector, and definitely Art Collector. trying to beat, not they can't win, but I'm trying to beat them. Did you want to add anything else, or should we uh, finish this up?
0: No, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go against the Brendan Walsh. Uh, listening to better betting, uh, I'll I'll go with the jock thinking Mac, Max Field yeah. can just sit sit behind the early pace, and uh, I, I don't think Court of Honor.
1: Can you cut Fresh. out for a second, so um,
0: got got. Oh, sorry,
1: yeah, you cut out gotta for a gotta, second.
0: Oh, okay, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to chalk out here with possibly uh, Dr. Post, uh, in an exacto.
1: All right, moving on to the uh, last race, the 11th. It is a state bred maiden 40,000. That's what they run on the turf. This is on the widener course at six furlongs, and there's a race that listen. The, the, When I do a pick five, when I complete a pick five, and I'm not saying everyone has to do this or some people who do this or some people who don't believe in doing this. We've had like Tommy Massas on who says this is terrible to do, but we've had people like Inside the Pylons, ITP on who, you know, basically say, yeah, this is kind of how I do it. It doesn't exactly say his method, but it's something he does. I basically write down who I think can win the race. And all this, everyone I think has a legitimate chance at winning the race. And I'll kind of put them in groups, like who's my main group, my second group, third group. And then... Based on that, I'll see how deep I want to go. If I have like a short price favorite or three to one in my second or third group, I'll probably leave that horse out. Because if they're one of the favorites, they're not in my top one or two. I I really don't want them. Uh, But if there's like a longer shot in my second or third group, I'll do my best to include that horse. So anyway, I wrote down every horse except for one of them. And even that one I left out probably could win. I think that was a 12 horse maybe I left out. Um, And maybe that horse can win too. Who knows in this field? But you know, that's a horse I wouldn't want any part of. But you get a price, and who the hell knows hasn't been on the turf. But anyway, my point is that I can envision anyone winning this race just like the first leg of this sequence. However, I felt comfortable narrowing this, horse, this race down to most likely two in my pick three, though possibly three horses. Uh, and I'll start with the uh, longer price horse because, uh, again, I want to look good if, uh, <laughs> if he comes in, so it was like my first pick. Uh, and that would be the nine, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Sandor Clagane. I listened to the replays with the sound off. Sorry. So Sandor Clegane, 10 to one in the morning line. Ray Handel, who is a very competent, you know, fairly high percentage trainer in New York. Uh, rides Jalen Samuel, who, you know, obviously has a terrible record, but I don't think he's that bad of a jockey, to be honest. Uh, he's ridden some nice races and he's aggressive. This horse, A, could be the only speed. And, you know, I, I feel better about this week because I feel like I'm, the horses I'm picking have speed, whether they need the lead or not. They can make their own trips. Where in past weeks when I haven't done as well, maybe, you know, I'm relying more on closers and not getting trips. But anyway, if you go back to the only turf race this horse has run, put up a 57 buyer. He dueled against maiden special weights. He actually dueled a five to one shot. So a horse who had a legitimate shot, that horse faded to seven. So when you when you duel a five to one shot in a maiden special weight to seventh and you held on for fourth and now you're running against mating claimers to me that turf race is significantly better than anyone in this field now although actually i shouldn't say that my other horse had one that was almost as good or close but that was a heck of a race for him compared to this field now here's the issue and i'll ask you gq as a, as a handicapping question here the horse ran that in october so I love the October 4th race. I think it's so much better than it looks on paper. Like out of that race, I would love this horse. Okay. However, he didn't run until July has had three races has looked, Has shown speed at least, but basically finished in the back. The only thing is they were on dirt and he tried to get them on turf, the trainer handle, and they all got rained off. So the question is, is this horse just waiting to get back on turf and can run back to what he was or the year layoff, something's wrong. Horses run like crap on the dirt. How would you view that if you were me, obviously the 10 to one price makes you more, you know, willing to forgive the dirt races, but how would you view that? And then I'll say how I view it. Obviously I pick the horse. so I view it a certain way. Go ahead.
0: I, I would view it as, you know, the horse obviously runs its best on turf, because if you look at how the horse ran his only other dirt race when, when he ran Saratoga, when and him on the dirt, they look like carbon copies of his last three races that were supposed to be on turf and were taken off. So I would have no issue backing this horse um, simply based on his turf form, and uh, it it was very acceptable. Actually, top three, I believe brisnet turf uh figures in this uh field
1: yeah a, that that race was to me probably the best of anyone in the field and the only other horse that i'm there's two others i, I wouldn't mind using i don't think i'm going to go three deep here it depends the rest of the ticket but um the other horse that i think is is it's going to be tough here is the 11 hot doctor that's one of the favorites or the favorite uh 72 morning line not like a huge favorite on the morning line at least and there's a horse who you know if you go back three back to the June 27th race, that race was pretty impressive. Um, he got knocked at both sides. Like he got knocked from one side and then got knocked on the other side at the start and hard hit hard. That had to do something to him. Not only did he lose a little bit of ground, but you know, it had to knock, you know, it's like knocking the wind out of someone, something that had to do some damage and he still ran pretty well. Um, he altered in the stretch and bumped over. So he had to alter in actually, he was like two or three off the uh, fence and then he altered in when he did that, he kind of cut off another horse a little bit, and that horse clipped heels on him. And the jockey, who was at, at the Jose Ortiz, kind of like stood up for a second, like slowed down, the horse kind of stopped running a little. So that race, not only did he get the 63 buyer, which is as good as anyone in this field, but between the bumping at the start and the trouble at the end, uh, and I don't think the race set up for closing necessarily. He just ran well. Um, that was a really good race. So much so that they – Claimed him Linda Rice, and then they put him in the maiden special weight because they must be like, wow, this horse, uh, you know, was better than we thought. And the horse showed some life in the maiden special weight uh, going a mile, but just probably didn't want to go the distance, is my guess. Maybe I'm wrong, the horse isn't any better, but I can totally forgive that race. It was against maiden special weight, it was longer than he wants to go. And instead of, um, you know, trying to go short against maiden special weights, they just went back to the maiden claiming ranks, figuring maybe they can get a win. Got rained off last time, so I don't care. And ran well on the dirt. I almost wish the horse ran badly on the dirt because if he would have got like a a 32 buyer on the dirt and come in seventh, then you would have got a better price on Saturday rather than a favorite. Um, But, you know, the last race that was similar to this ran a hell of a race. So that's why I'm pretty comfortable going 9-11, and that's it here. Um, I got a speed horse. I got a horse that'll come a little off the pace, so I feel I'm well covered. I'll just mention the third horse. And again, I wouldn't be shocked with anyone in here. But the third horse I would look at is the seven Bo Brown. is a horse who ran on the turf first out at this level. And even though came in ninth, only lost by four lengths, had a decent speed figure for a first time starter, you know, at this level, and had a one length slow start, rushed up, had a check, uh, and uh, at least lost a the length, then lost a lot of momentum. If you want, watch the replay of that June 27th race. Just had a lot of trouble and uh, a lot of it self-imposed, looked like I was taking funny steps and never really got a chance to run. So I think that race is a lot better than it looks. Then got caught on two dirt courses. They, they tried the dirt, I don't know, maybe because ran a little funky on the turf and um, got claimed away, actually, by Mark Henning from uh, Amira Chichokli, however you say it, Chichakli, I can't say it, who was uh, Contessa's assistant who took over. And um, Henning claimed him, figuring, hey, let's run him on the turf like he had that first good race, which I think was smart and it got washed off. So now they're back on the turf again. And uh, I think this horse definitely has a shot. So um, maybe I'll go three deep here, but nine, 11, and possibly the seven for me, wouldn't be shocked about others, but I don't want to talk for eight hours here about the others. So uh, I'll leave it there and I'll let you uh, finish up the race or chime in.
0: <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll mention three, three t- totally <laughs> different <course>. horses. <laughs> That's good though. We
1: get uh, to talk about more horses. So it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, Straight and, and uh, uh, well, I'll mention them in, in, in preference. Uh, the five horse out of the breach, uh, owns the best Brisnet turfs, uh, figure, which was the first time he was on turf in his second career start. He got an 84, that's best in here, ran third by two, comes back going a mile. Obviously, uh, um did not uh, run back to that uh, extending out for for whatever reason, Gary Siaka no longer trained the horse. Maybe, you know, they switch it to Rudy, Rudy throws blinkers on the horse. And now that they've gelded him, you know, might be just wishful thinking, trying to figure out what sticks, but uh, just based on the uh, career best brisnet in these type of, Turf maiden races. If I'm going to get ten to one, I'll I'll go with uh, the five out of the breach. Um, another interesting horse, uh, which is interesting that he's four to one. Probably the um, morning line odds maker figured well if they if he went off at nine to two first time out, regardless of how he ran, uh, he'll come back and he'll probably be bet again after a two-month layoff, maybe Stidham figured, well, the horse needed education, Uh, looked like he was five wide at the uh, quarter pole, and, you know, maybe that contributed to it. Maybe the horse just doesn't have the endurance early on. Obviously, by the bullet works, he's got speed, so maybe he's taking that angle. Throws IRAD on him, and that's probably another reason why you're only going to get four to one at best. I wouldn't want four to one on him, but I think he was worth mentioning. And lastly, an 0 for 16. Tomorrow, Saturday is his day. Lucky number 17 start for the one horse. Boom, boom, kaboom. Yes, second time blinkers, but that's not the reason. Uh, it was washed off. And it looks like uh, in his six furlong races, if you go back to last year this time, uh, actually one year ago today, he was the favorite. He's always been bad. He runs an honest race. He just can't get over the hump. So maybe against these. And uh, with uh, Eric Cancel back in the irons and back on turf as that last one was washed off, going the six furlongs versus the five and a half. Maybe lucky number 17 start is it, and you'll get all of that eight to one morning line.
1: And that's it. And, five. And 10, you forgot 10, to one. mention. Oh, sorry, five ten one. You said I cut you off. I apologize. Five yeah. ten one for GQ. You forgot to mention I think unless you said it, I missed it. Second time blinkers for boom boom kaboom as well. Um, yes, I
0: i, I well I,
1: before we I started
0: sorry. into my dissertation about why I like him. I said it not not only because it's second time.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, before. I missed that. Um, I was thinking, because you mentioned Sportini, and I was like, I wanted to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt you, but I cut you off anyway. Um, Sportini, you mentioned, like looks like he had a wide trip. I hate when they do this in the um, comments. He didn't have a wide trip, Sportini the 10. He saved ground too wide, mostly. Um, you know, when they get in the stretch and then they, they, you know, go out wide in the stretch to me, they're, they're not running wide or maybe at the very end, but sure. you know, if you're betting Sportini because of a wide trip, don't, if you're betting Sportini because he's dropping from made in special weight, he's second out now. So he should improve. He's adding blinkers. You like that. That's fine. You want to bet Sportini. I'm not saying he can't win. He definitely could, but don't bet because of the wide trip uh, because he did not have one watching the replay. So I wanted to throw that in. Um, all right, cool. all right. So that kind of wraps it up here. Um, we, we went long. You know, I, I thought about wrapping up like a ticket, but you know, if you want, you can go through next week. I'll try and go a little quicker through the uh, handicapping and we'll talk about actually constructing a ticket. I mentioned a little bit about it today, but not much, but we'll talk about um, constructing a ticket today. We were a little more heavy on the handicapping. Hopefully it helps gives you some things to look about or look at. And uh, that's pretty much it. GQ, any final words of wisdom for the people out there?
0: No, have, have a good weekend. Hopefully it's, uh, the weather's nice these races will be on the turf and uh we actually might have a guest next week because keeneland's opening
1: yeah that's the uh the game plan is to uh do a little keeneland next week so uh we'll see Not set in stone but we hope so we got a couple good guests coming up over the next few weeks so hopefully you'll stick with us thanks everyone good luck this weekend at the races hope you win a lot of money and we will talk to you next week bye-bye